Hey everybody, this is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. Uh, welcome to another edition of the college football show we like to do for Hater Radio. Uh, my co-host is Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you? Doing good, man. Hey, so uh, let's just get into it. It's a uh, big week, a lot of really big games. Um, actually, you know what I wanted to do? Because we we haven't really done this yet, but it's it seems like a good time to do it is breaking down um, the uh, conference. Um, uh, uh-oh, hey, I just got word that the strike is over. Uh, my friend Richard from 728 commented, oh, that's great. That's awesome. I love to hear that stuff because I'm definitely ready to get back to work. But now to work way too long. But hey, um, uh Richard has some actually insight about UCLA that we'll get into, but I wanted to do this real quick about um, uh, some of the conference standings. Ian, I I looked at some of them, and there are some that are like completely bogged down, where it's like Big Twelve. There's like six teams. There's seven teams in contention. What's wild is. Uh, Iowa State at five and four overall record has a, a very slim shot, but a shot at getting to the conference championship game in the Big 12. And because they hold the tiebreaker over Oklahoma State, and um, but their last games are Texas, Kansas State, and BYU. And I was like, whoa, yeah, that's gonna be that's a like that is such a tough task to try to beat two of those teams, let alone all three. So I don't envision that. Um, so that big 12 is, is wide open at this point. You got a really good Kansas state team. You got a really good Kansas team. You got a really good Oklahoma team. Uh, and, and we'll talk about this West Virginia team in a little bit too. This West Virginia team. That's like, all right, they're ready to play and they're definitely capable of taking on these big teams. So we'll see there. Um, I guess the only other thing I wanted to talk about was maybe the Pac-12, but we've talked about it all year. I mean, I've been yeah. such a huge proponent of the Pac-12. Uh, you know, if you look at just everywhere in that conference, you know, from UCLA, which is still out very slim shot, but like they're six and three, three and three in the conference. Then you have Arizona at four and two in the conference, Utah. Uh, Oregon State, USC, Oregon, all those teams have a legitimate shot at getting there. And that's amazing. And they're all very good teams. I would, you know, Oregon State, Utah, UCLA all have really good defenses. Oregon's got a really good defense. Um, Washington, it's, it is good, but it's not great. Um, so all these teams are like, are probably top, like with that top, like six teams, they're they're just an overall better teams than I would say the top six out of any other conference. Now, obviously, the lower end of the conference is not as good. I mean, Washington State's not bad, and Colorado is frisky offensively. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Pac-12 is the conference of the year. I, I've been saying it all year, and I'm just going to like keep rolling with it because it seems just makes the most sense, though. Um, but yeah. Uh, um, any of your thoughts on conference wise, anything sticking out to you that your conference race wise? So for me, the biggest one right now uh, of the, um, 
power five um, is definitely kind of expected is the big 12 um, because of how wide open, again, it is. You have a bunch of tiebreakers with Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and even Kansas is still in, in the mix and West Virginia and, and Iowa State. So that's a bunch of teams right there. Um, I think um, as well, the other kind of surprise is just teams like in the ACC, like Louisville, likely will be the one facing, uh, for, given their schedule, um, is in the driver's seat to face Florida State ever since they went away with the divisions. Um, I will say, yeah, the Big 12 is definitely the most entertaining, I shall say, because every week it's, each of those top teams can knock each other off. Um, yeah. But especially the Pac-12. I mean, if they're going out, the Pac-12 is going out with a bang. Um, oh, yeah. Washington, <laughs> it, I, it is hilarious that the the last year of the conference has probably the best, like, before you have Oregon and nobody else really, or, you know, maybe SC, maybe Washington in 2016. Um, but no, no real competition against that. But now it's completely – you know, Washington, Oregon, and Utah, I could make arguments that, you know, they could easily find themselves um, knocking each other off again um, when they play each other. Um, Yeah, for sure. You know, and like, I mean, it's, it is, I mean, top to like the, like the core teams of the Pac-12 right now, I would hold them up against anybody in the, in the entire country. And, you know, like, especially the Washington, Oregon's like those two could compete against, they could play anybody. They could play Georgia. They could play Alabama. They could play Michigan. They could play Ohio state. They could play Florida state. Um, the rest of those guys, I think are really competitive as well. And would put a scare in some of them, you know, offensively, especially USC is one of the best in the country. And then, um, Oregon state is a very, you know, uh, frisky team. Like I like to say, you know, especially that Arizona team, both those teams are very, um, uh, strong on oh, my buddy, Keith, uh, he says Washington will be in the college football playoff. And yeah, that's what I'm saying right now, Keith. I hope you're listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah. So the, the rest of those teams, uh, you know, um, I like Arizona, uh, yeah, and Richard's saying it as well. Most competitive Pac-12 season, and it's I've enjoyed this, and I I try to be because most of my most of the followers of Hater Radio on the Twitter account are Gator and USF fans. So I've tried to like, you know, I retweet stuff and um, talk about it as much as I can. And there are some that do say it, but like, there's not enough because it's like if you really are a, a a big fan of college football, you need to be watching these teams because it is some of the best football out there right now in college football. And it's a joy to watch. I mean, there've been like, it seems like every week there's a huge matchup in the PAC 12. Like it's been all the games Utah has had USC's had like two or three lately. They, and they've got this one coming up and it's just like every week is just a slugfest. I mean, that, that Oregon Washington game, is by far the best game we've had all year and maybe the best game that we've had in the last couple of years. Like that's mm-hmm. how good of a game that was. And, um, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. The uh, yeah, only other thing I wanted to talk about conferences wise. So yeah. we're all hearing about, of course, I'm noticing this James Madison, 
Yes. We all know. Yeah. I, that's what I was waiting. I was teeing that up for you. I wanted you to yeah. talk about it. Um, James Madison, undefeated. And we know the whole hoopla about them. Can't play in a bowl game. The NCAA won't allow it because they were going from FBS or FCS to FBS status, yeah. which by the bylaws, you are not allowed to, you know, join a bowl for that two-year transition period, this being their second year. Yeah. Also part of that, because of the Sun Belt agreeing to that, despite James Madison being undefeated and leading the Eastern Division, they will not be able to play unless something happens in the conference championship. So as of right now, Coastal Carolina leads the East Division in the Sun Belt um, to play, again, right now if it ended, to play Troy. Um, So then they've sent a request to the NCAA about, you know, cutting back cutting that back and letting James Madison attend a bowl. We're gonna have a very interesting thing if that doesn't happen, even the Sun Belt doesn't allow James Madison to play. That's gonna be we talked about asterisks and stuff for the past couple of years. Yeah. You gotta really think about that. If James Madison doesn't play for the Sun Belt conference, doesn't even play for the conference championship, I don't know how you could legitimately say whatever team wins that was the best one. Well, because... I will I will counter that with Ian. I don't know if you remember. I know you're a good historian of college football, but ninety three, Auburn ninety three or ninety four, Auburn was on uh, 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 suspension from uh, the NCAA, and they weren't allowed. I don't even think they were allowed on TV. They went undefeated. They couldn't they couldn't play for the SEC championship. So it was Alabama against Florida. I think again. I think it was like three years in a row that Alabama played Florida. It was. Yeah. And um, so Auburn, an undefeated team that beat Alabama, that should have been there in Atlanta, wasn't allowed to go and uh, didn't even get to play for a bowl game. And, it, you know, trust me, I get it. The NCAA is a is a governing body that is had a lot of issues for its eternity. Like the entire existence of this uh, body has been plagued with issues and it sucks because it really ruins the fairness of certain things i mean right now i know we haven't talked too much about the the michigan um yeah uh, sign stealing stuff and you know what i don't really want to talk about it because it's like it's all out there in the news and like if you really want to hear about it you can find it if you want um richard saying do you think this season is the best college football season it could be richard it's over there but if it, I think if we had a 12-team playoff, it would have been definitely the best season ever. So we'll have to wait till next year. And it sucks because there is a ton of quarterback talent, and it's going to be one of the most loaded uh, quarterback drafts coming up. He's saying, uh, Keith's saying, what are your thoughts on Oregon and Washington? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I really think that's the possibility, especially because um, it's going to be tough for Washington because they have two tough games with uh Oregon State no not Oregon State they have um uh is it Oregon State and you they have Utah yeah they have it's, Utah. Uh, they play Oregon State at the end of the year yeah they have Oregon State and Utah and um it's gonna be tough you know they they have Washington State as well I think they should win that easily but if they go one and one they get in so I think Washington is more likely than Oregon um Oh yeah, and if they're going to split the series, that's what's even crazier. If they go one and one, who who gets to go? Who says who's the better team? You know, like how is that fair? That's not- that's, I'm dude. Like this is why 
we should have done the 12 team playoff sooner, but this That's is what, what I we said have. From the beginning when they went to like, Hey, we're doing a play. Cause again, when the BCS, it, it was like, okay, we're going to have two teams. I'm like, okay, well now it's getting to the point where that's not enough. So then they're like, okay, we're going to a playoff. And I thought like, Oh, cool. Cool. Six, eight, no four. It's power five. How are you going to do that? I know. And then, but, yeah, sure enough, we got this. And, like, the first year, Baylor and TCU couldn't, you know, yeah, they got snow. true. They were they were in a very similar predicament. In, at that time, I think it was only one team, uh, a one-game uh, decision there in the head-to-head. It wasn't two games, which that's what's even crazier, is the fact that if Oregon and Washington do play against each other in the Pac-12 championship, there's a chance – that there'll be two games against these teams. And how do you dictate if it's split evenly with one being on the, uh, on the uh, home game for Washington? Um, and then, uh, yeah, he's Keith saying run the 12 team playoff. Yes, exactly. That's what, I mean, at this point we're all wanting it and we're, it's, it, it is, it is actualizing in front of our eyes right now where we're seeing what the possibilities of it can be. And I think when it gets to next year, people are going to be blown away the fact that teams like, you know, um, West Virginia and Iowa State at like a six and three record at this point of the year, if they run the table at that point, have a shot at getting to the playoff. And that's what people are going to be really happy about. Yeah, Richard saying Pac-12 champion will go. Yeah. I, I guarantee, Richard, that it's going to be a Pac-12 champion will go, especially if they both continue to uh, – Oregon and Washington can maintain their uh, level of play the rest of the year. But it's just if um, if both can go. That's what will be crazy, to decide who goes out of the two if it's, if it's a split one-to-one, which I don't know how you decide that. It's like a Solomon's choice at this point. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into it. I thank you guys. Richard and uh, Keith for coming up with questions and talking because we're definitely appreciate that. So uh, the the games we have, okay, let me get my light show going. So we got USC and Oregon talking about Oregon. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm there's Joe, my buddy Joe saying go Knowles. There you go. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really intrigued about what's gonna happen with this USC team because it's like they lost to Utah, they lost to Washington, and they were competitive in both of those games, and they probably should have beaten Utah. Um, the Washington game, they weren't as competitive near the end. Washington really took it to them um with their running back Johnson and just you know ran down their throats. And, you know, they fired Alex Grinch. We talked about that on Sunday. And thank goodness, because he was such such a um, dead weight on the program. It was every week, I'm sure, you know, Lincoln Riley just heard questions about, hey, you need to fire this guy. You need to fire this guy. You need to fire this guy. And Did you he- hear that joke about it? It would said, uh, instead of like how the Grinch still crunch Christmas and said how the Grinch sold $1.8 million. Yeah, for real, man. Like <laughs> dude, he was just stealing money and he's been stealing money for like five years with Lincoln. I don't get, man, I know you work with people close and you get a closer relationship with people. I understand that. It's very tough to like, you know, cut out the personal and the fact that you're running a business, but you are running a top tier program and you need to make decisions 
that are cutthroat that have to be, you know, you have to cut emotion out of you. You got to be like, Hey, this isn't working. So I'm going to fire you. And that just has to be it. He waited way too long. If he had fired him in the off season, it would have been a completely different story. I mean, look at UCLA. And I know Richard knows this with Lynn. He is such an amazing defensive coordinator. That kid's going to be a, a head coach some, some point soon. And you know, if then Richard brought it up, if, if, uh, uh, the hot seat is true with Chip Kelly. Maybe Lynn is the, you know, the guy that replaces him. But as of right now, I just want to get back to USC real quick, but I'll talk about that UCLA stuff in a little bit. But um, I think USC can compete offensively in this game. I think they're going to be able to score enough points. I think they're going to be able to put a scare into Oregon, but I like Oregon's defense to make enough plays that uh, that will stop them. And also, the mismatch really is Oregon's offense against UCS, USC's defense right now because USC's defense is reeling, even if it is a you know another assistant coach that's taking the place of Alex Grinch. How much better can they be? I don't know. Um, it's still going to be probably pretty bad. There's a lot of talent on that USC defense. It's just been uh, completely schematic-wise terrible. And uh, it's going to need a wholesale change and it'll probably take until an off season, um, you know, program of getting the, the spring and everything else to be able to change that. But I think Oregon wins this game. I'm going to say Oregon wins like 45 to like 32. What do you got, Ian? So looking back at last week, you saw, you know, Washington with one of the most elite offenses in the country light up the scoreboard it was like Truman's troops going up and down up and down like every time they had the ball they scored yeah people need to know this though Washington did I say Oregon Washington has uh, against USC Washington has the number two best offense in the Pac-12 and the number fourth overall in the country who's number one Oregon Oregon yeah. has the number one offense in the Pac-12 and number two in the whole country behind LSU. Yikes. I That defense is reeling. It's sputtering. And I understand putting an assistant in will kind of calm it, kind of like hockey when you, you know, put the backup goalie in and kind of gives the team a boost. Yeah. But, like, it's not – there's just way too much talent on Oregon not to exploit the defensive side. For much of this season, USC has been getting by base – purely just on talent alone yeah this one there's no there's no excuse oregon just right now has the better overall team uh compared to usc who may have the better offense but i don't see them getting the ball enough to score if the only way usc wins this game is that usc literally has to score every time they get the ball and hope maybe the defense gets a stop or two. If there's any monkey wrench thrown in, it's going to be the Ducks game. I'm going to go Oregon winning this one. I'll go 35 to 21. Okay, so you don't think that USC is going to score that much in this game? I don't think they're going to have enough time to. I think Oregon, again, that's the whole thing. We've seen that as their kryptonite. They clearly know USC's offense is their only way they're going to win games. If yeah. Dan Lane's smart, he's just going to, you know, tell Bo Nix, hey, you know, hand it off a few times and, you know, make those high percentage passes, which he is money uh, in those slant routes. 
So I just think they're going to, you know, eat up so much clock that they're not going to give SC enough time. They're going to be very meticulous on how to beat USC. All right. There you go. Um, okay. Uh, the next game I've got is the USF Temple game. And I'm bringing it up because, you know, wear green Wednesday. Uh, uh, Ian's got a shirt as well. So, um, I bring this one up first because this one's very important for USF's chance of getting to a bowl game. Uh, they're four and five right now. They need at least probably to win the two games. There's a chance that there's some five and seven teams that could get in to bowl games this year, <laughs> but I don't think USF would be one of them. So, uh, I mean, their offense is intriguing. So it's like, maybe that's, why someone would want to take a chance on USF, but either way, if they get to six and six, they're bowl eligible, and uh, that would pretty much definitively put them in a bowl game. So, um, you know, this Temple team is not very good. Um, I know I've been hearing all day, last couple of days, about Byron Brown, U UCF fans talking about him, you know, potentially going over there, and then uh, JP Peterson um, in Tampa the sports guy there saying stuff about, you know, USF needs to do a bunch to keep him in. And, you know, granted, Byram is amazing. He's like top 10 in a ton of categories. Um, like I think all around offense, um, he's uh, number six, like total yardage in like in, in the country, which is huge. I mean, he, he can run the ball more effective than probably any other running back in the country maybe outside of maybe Jaden Daniels and then uh, passing wise, he's just getting better and better every week. Um, I think with more talent infused, this USF team will take it to another step the next couple of years. Like you, you mentioned last week, Ian, with uh, the recruiting that USF is uh, tops in the AAC right now. And that's huge because, you know, you got to get more of that coming in. I think Byron Brown stays. He sounds like he wants to stay. Um, you know, I, again, what I've tried to tell people is the difference from this year into next year is the fact that there's eight more playoff spots. So every single team has a legitimate shot at getting into the tournament next year. So now where it's like, oh, it's just four. And really it's only like six teams that actually have a shot at the playoff next year. It opens up the door. So with that being said, you know, Byron Brown can stay at USF. He's comfortable there. They can make a push, you know, in the next couple of years to try to get towards that spot. You know, all they have to do is run the table in the AAC and they have a real shot at getting into the playoff. So it's it's not that unrealistic. You know, uh, Alex Golish already has them at four and five this year. If they get to six and six, that's a huge uh, uh, turnaround already from one and 11 last year. Um, you probably know about more about this temple team. I don't know too much. I just know that they haven't been doing, doing quite well all year. So I'm just going to give my prediction and then I'll, I'll hear yours. So I'm going to go with like, um, you know, the offense has been moving quite well all, all season long, except for outside the FAU game and the UAB game. So I'm going to say USF scores like 42, and I'm going to say Temple scores like uh, 28. What do you got? Yeah, for this one, 
surprisingly, Temple's off as not well as they've done. The quarterback play has actually been very impressive. EJ Warner actually has over 2,000 yards and almost, and he has 16 touchdowns for comparison. Byron Brown has 17 total passing touchdowns. Um, so that's actually, he's done his part of the end. His main target, David Martin Robinson, the tight end, very solid. Somebody they're going to have to pay attention to. Temple, it's very old school style. They're going to look to the tight ends. They're going to look to, you know, get, you know, the passing game more, you know, close in blocks. Um, for USF, and this is the thing that always has been scaring me, the defense is, you know, it is really the anchor right now. Um, because I tell you what, you score 50 points in a game or 40, 35 points in these games, you win. should win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but USF, I know they're like 13th in the American and near the bottom defensively. So the thing is, is that Temple, I know they ranked 11th in total offense in um, – the AAC. So it's very important for the defense to step up and make the stops when they can. That is critical because what Temple's going to do is nickel and dime it, try to get it to like third and manageable. That's what they're best at. And, you know, keep the drive alive and more importantly, keep the ball away. Um, we've seen a lot of teams do that this year, especially against USF. Yeah. Um, so it is critical to USF to make it like third and seven, nine, maybe you know, force them backwards um, to make it really tough for them and, you know, focus the attack on the tight ends um, and get pressure um, in the, uh, uh, in Warner's face. Um, Cause the offense, I do believe will be, you know, it's going to, it's been an engine. It's going to do what it can. Um, Temple's defense has been good. Not great. I feel like USF has played better defenses and has scored more. So I feel like, it might – I honestly think it might be closer than it has to be. I will say from watching practice this week, this team, the coaches, especially goals for stressing, like it is like imperative. You have to win these games. So they – all the attention, all the focus and concentration, they're not letting any distractions. They are solely concentrating on these last three games because they want that bowl game bad. So I think with that being said, they need to limit mistakes, no penalties, no turnovers, play a clean game. And if you do that, I think they beat Temple. I think they're going to edge them out. I think this is going to be a lot closer than some may think. But I'm going to go with a uh, – let's go like 30 to 24 uh, win for the Bulls. Yeah, but okay. So I I don't know. With this USF's offense the last couple of weeks, I mean, no one's really been able to stop them. They've really only stopped themselves. It really has been like, you know, failing to get – um, you know, convert third downs and, you know, running wise, you know, Naquan Wright is tearing them up. And like I said, Byram as well. And so it's been, I just feel that they're going to continue this trend. They've been one of the best offenses in the country because they can, uh, you know, move the ball all over the field. And I think they're going to be able to do that in this game as well. I don't see, Temple being able to stop them. That's just my opinion. Okay, let's move on to um, – let's do UCLA real quick because I wanted Richard to hear this because I wanted to bring up what he uh, what he he sent me earlier today. So it looks like um, – what is it? The quarterback situation is getting really dicey with, uh, with UCLA. So – Garbers is still limping. 
Moore is limited because of a concussion on Saturday, which I didn't realize that happened to him. And then Schley is still hurt from the Oregon State game. The only really healthy quarterbacks that they have is Chase Griffin and um, uh, Justin Martin. And he Richard thinks that J, uh, Chase Griffin could be the possibility here. Um, I think he played earlier this year. I'm not, I can't remember for sure. Um, but also he talked about um, Chip Kelly might be on the hot seat. I don't know, Richard. I, I've liked what Chip Kelly has done so far at UCLA. I think because of the fact that um, UCLA is always considered the secondary program in LA, which it's tough to say that, but it is the reality when it comes to football, not, Definitely not so in basketball because that's, you know, UCLA is king in basketball. Um, But as far as football, it's tough because it's like you can't get the same type of recruits that you can get at USC. So it's been – it's a little bit of an uphill battle. But I think you have to take this year with almost like a grain of salt. You had a quarterback that was there for five years in DTR. And, you know, it's – he did re- really well, especially that last year, last year where they had a potential chance to get into the Pac-12 championship and faltered a little bit, but they were right there. They they barely lost to USC. Um, you know, they had some shots there. So this UCLA team, I feel, is right there defensively, especially. I know we've talked about Lynn. Lynn is a stud coordinator and, you know, if he stays there another year, that defense should be just as strong next year. Um, and then also offensively, I like what they do offensively. I like their running attack. Um, I like uh, what Dante Moore brings. And he's still young. Like, he is a true freshman. He's only 18 years old. So it's like, you know what? True freshmen are going to make mistakes. If he was a junior or a redshirt sophomore, a lot of those mistakes this year would have been cut out. And he would have been doing a lot better and they would have probably been, they'd probably finished like 10 and two, but he's, he's not a red shirt sophomore. He's only a true freshman. So there's going to be mistakes. Um, I like the future for this UCLA team. And I don't think firing Chip Kelly is going to, is going to help that future. I know the, you know, the natives are restless and the pitchforks are going to come out, especially if they lose, another couple of games here at the end of the year. But I think just taking this year is like, hey, real what realize what you have, and that next year is going to be that step into uh, 10 wins. And like I said, 12-team playoff completely changes the game because then you're fighting for a playoff shot. So that's a completely different story. So to this game uh, with uh, Arizona State, it is, you know, this Arizona State team – has been one of those teams that loves to do the trick plays and loves to pull shenanigans because they're not as talented as the rest of those teams. Um, Scadaboo, the, you know, jackknife, the like Utila knife uh, running back who can do almost anything. You know, he does like fake punts. He does all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. I mean, they've, they've really pulled every trick out possible and it worked pretty well yeah. against USC but you saw it last week when they went up against Utah. No, they weren't buying that shit. Crap. No, none of it. None of it works. 
And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think UCLA is going to, you know, they have the defense to really snuff out those trick plays. So I think they can hold them to like at most 17, 20 points. And, you know, Arizona State's defense is not very good. So they should be able to score a decent amount. And I'm saying anywhere from like 28 to 35, but I'll probably say on the low end just to be sure. So I'm going to say like 28, 17 is the score I've got for that one. Uh, what do you got, Ian? Yeah, I, I will mention too, the only times SC has, or Lord, um, the only times Arizona State has um, really been in these games have been against very inferior defenses. Colorado, Washington, uh, USC, uh, and Cal. Not the high end, you know, not like top 50 defenses. UCLA is like 13th in the whole country in total defense. I feel like they're going to be like Utah. They're going to snuff that out real quick. Yeah. Um, and I'll give Arizona State credit. I'll, they're going to do everything they can to pull off the upset, but I just don't see UCLA getting full on that one. I think they put it, you know, they distance themselves early, and I think the Bruins win. I'm going to go with like a 30 to 10 win. Yeah, and Richard just posted that uh, Garbers and Moore did practice today, um, but unknown who will start. So it's still a mystery. I. I really love Carson Steele no matter what. So if you just run the ball on this team, which I hope that they do and hope that Carson, uh, you know, holds on to the ball, you know, he fumbled twice against Colorado. Um, so if he holds on to the ball and they just run him like 20 times, they should win this game relatively easily. Okay. Moving on to uh, another depressing top topic. Uh, the Florida Gators. Uh, my buddy Joe goes, what do you say? Uh, bring back Zook because he's a Florida State fan. Are you sure about that? You remember the last game Zook played against Florida State? <laughs> I know, which is funny. Z Ron Zook Field. But um, no, uh, he, you know, he's talking about that Florida State's going to spank him. But, it, you know, the game is in Gainesville and Florida's offense has. Like besides that Georgia game, Florida's offense has been better and better as we've gone on. So I don't know about that because Florida State's defense is not very good. So uh, you know, I think that Florida does have out of the next three games, I think they're the best shot for Florida to win, even though it sounds contradictory. I think Florida's best shot is to is the game against the Seminoles, just because it's at home and uh it's a rivalry game. And, you know, I don't know. I just – I like their chances in that game. I've liked it all year. And the way the team is playing, like we said, it was a field goal is the difference in that game on uh, Saturday in the Arkansas game. So they're not that far off. But um, as far as everything else, I just saw the the depth chart just got released for Florida. And uh, Devin Moore is the starting – corner over Jalen Kimber, which he struggled um, last week. He gave up that huge play uh, that resulted in, I believe, a field goal. And, you know, it's, you know, Devin Moore is deservingly getting playing time and he definitely deserves it. And, you know, it's right now, I think the issues was, you know, specifically Shamar James being out. So they had to figure out what linebackers are going to uh <laughs> Richard's saying I agree Florida for the win thank you Richard uh, <laughs> uh but uh uh Shamar James being out so they had to figure out 
where they were going to go linebacker wise. Um, you know, they had Scooby doing some other things, Scooby Williams, and then Nunnery was in there as well. And then um, Richardson came in uh, in some of the first playing time he's been getting. Derek Wingo's in there too. Um, I think with Shamar being out, it, it's a huge hole. And I think because Scooby would do some of the stuff that, uh, um, you know, that Shamar didn't do. Um, and so it's it's now Scooby taking over Shamar's role a little bit. Um, so they're just trying to figure out where their roles are. So obviously there was some stuff going on in that game where you wish, you know, they had made some plays, especially against KJ Jefferson, where if they made plays, they may have gotten off the field, especially that last drive. I know I, I rewatched the game last night because it was on and, you know, there's like six minutes left. They're up by three and it was like a third and six. And, you know, they two guys converged. I think it was Scooby and Princely, and they just couldn't get to him. And it's like, man, if they just got to him, that game might have gone differently. Um, but uh, so with that, the defense is figuring some stuff out. Tyreek Sapp is back, and I believe Cam Jackson is back too. So, you know, that should be full bore there. Really the only missing piece now is, is like I said, Shamar. So he's out for the rest of the year. Um, hopefully they can figure that stuff out offensively wise. I think they're doing well there. I think they're putting things together. They just kind of fell off in the middle quarters, the second and third. So they need to figure that out more about um, keeping the offensive pressure on. Cause if they score even just once more in those second and third quarters, uh, they probably win that game against Arkansas and they just couldn't figure out um, a lot of things there. And it's just frustrating because they get a lot of three and outs, a lot of, you know, get a first down and then the, the the drive stalls. There hasn't been as many penalties, which has been good. You know, that's that's a huge change there. It's been seemingly less and less penalties except for that special teams penalty. But let's talk about LSU a little bit. So LSU – um, as of right now, Jaden Daniels, I, I, I haven't heard if he will play, but it's, it sounds like he will. He was practicing. I think I heard he was running like 20 miles an hour when they tested him speed wise. So it looks like he'll probably play, um, you know, their offense with neighbors, um, is definitely one of the best in the country. I think you said it as second best Ian, and it's, it's definitely, you know, they're going to put up points regardless of what happens on defense for Florida. I um, I just hope that they can make enough stops in this game. You know, they just have to make like, I'd say, three or four stops in the game, and that gives them a chance to win. Um, you know, it's going to be tough because the, the LSU offense is really prolific, and they're going to put up a lot of points. Um, they're going to march down the field. Um, you know, inside the red zone is where they struggle a little bit. If they can take advantage of that, maybe bend, don't break type stuff and, uh, you know, let them, uh, make some field goals instead of touchdowns. Maybe there's a better chance there. I, um, you know, I feel like, uh, if they can one, the, the, the schematic stuff has been there. Like, they just need to make the plays. If they can get those tackle for losses, get those sacks, 
get those drive killer plays to come forward. I think they really can make a difference there. Offensive-wise, uh, LSU's defense is not very good. And I know Harold Perkins is a stud, but the rest of the team has been struggling mightily. Almost every game they 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 allow a ton of points, um, you know, and I think that continues here in this game. I think Florida can score at least 32, and but I'm thinking like LSU probably scores like 35 38 so i'm gonna go with 38 to 32 lsu what do you got ian yeah um for me it it, it it's broken down like this recent recently since the georgia game the florida's defense has regressed very badly and this actually includes the south carolina game in which they won three games in a row they have given up over 300 480 yards on defense and they have yeah. not held a team below 30 points since the vanderbilt game so four weeks in a row a team has scored more than 30 points and has gained almost 500 yards on the defense. They're not getting the stops that they were at the beginning of the year. They're not forcing, you know, not good coverage, not, you know, letting them off the hook on third downs. Penalties especially have been a problem. Um, added to the fact, too, um, LSU is the number one defense in the SEC. So they gave up over 30 points and over almost 500 yards to the worst offense in the SEC in Arkansas. Bit of a deceiving one because KJ Jefferson and that team is so good, but still not good schematics and not good, you know, look here. For this one, I just don't see the defense being able to stop this offense. I just don't. I think maybe they'll get a few, but I just, to counter that, I don't know if the offense can be on the field enough to keep you know driving down the field let's not forget that like after the first drive against arkansas and georgia it took a while until like the late third fourth quarter before the offense could really get rolling i think what's going to happen is lsu might just pull away from it early and florida might mount a comeback late but i just i just don't see it the other thing to note here knowing my history it is a night game in baton rouge the last time florida beat LSU in Death Valley at night was 2009, and that was Tim Tebow's last year. 13-3, so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So – The concussion game or the game yeah. after the concussion game. He, and he was still the, – the touchdown pass he threw, I think it was to Riley Cooper, that ball was like freaking wobbly. It was – I was like, Timmy's still not 100% here. Well, the, the attention that game got is probably – one of the reasons why i mean they were like moving towards concussion protocols but like that game the the where he got injured in the kentucky game and then the next game being the lsu game all the attention that was put on the fact that he had that concussion uh was a lot of scrutiny and a lot of discussion and then a lot of uh uh you know push towards safety towards helping these players and, you know, as much as it was difficult to watch, you know, it, it was a very good thing that all of that uh, discussion came about so that we can protect these players um, and not, um, you know, not see them get hurt, you know, when it's definitely an, a, a huge issue um, for their health uh, after football as well. Okay, so, um, oh, damn, my light went out. Son of a bitch, I knew I should have charged it. And I just cussed. Oh, well, I'm just trying to – I do this so I have a marker when I know to take out the cuss word. Okay, so um, 
Okay, moving on. Um, so we have these other games coming up. We've got uh, Virginia Louisville tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting game. Um, you know, this Louisville team has a lot to play for. I don't think that would get into the playoff. There would have to be a ton of things go their way for that to be a reality. But they have a real shot at getting to the ACC championship game and are more than likely going to because they only have this game and the Miami game after it uh, as far as um, conference play left. So they have a real shot. They, I think they just have to win this Virginia game or – one of the two either beat Virginia or beat Miami and they get in. So it gives them kind of a little bit of a runway here. Um, I think they're better than this Virginia team. This Virginia team has beaten a few teams. Surprisingly, I think they beat North Carolina, right? Uh, they did. Yeah. Yeah. So like they have surprised teams, but I think this Louisville team, well, they, and I will say I'll counter that with the fact that Louisville lost to Pitt, who Pitt is two and seven currently. So maybe there is a chance here. I I don't think so. The game is in Louisville. I think Louisville wins probably like 34 to like 17. What do you got? Yeah, I think um, Louisville is going to be able to jump out here. I just don't see the Virginia offense being able to keep up with this game. So I'm going to go uh, Louisville winning. I'll go like 31 to seven. Okay, next game is Michigan-Penn State. Keith was saying upset coming up for Penn State, Michigan lose because of all the distractions. See, I don't know. I don't know if there's enough to get this Michigan team off their game because if that would have been the case, I think it would have already happened in one of the other games that they've played. And I think they've already proven that – they are a quality team. I will say they haven't played anybody, so that's helped immensely. Um, but this is their first real test. This is the first-ranked team they've played all year, and this is uh, 11 weeks into the season, which is crazy that they've gone this far 10 games into this uh, the season and they haven't played anyone ranked. I mean, that's how bad the Big Ten teams have been, and that's how bad their non-conference schedule was. Um, I, I just feel like Michigan's going to win this one. I have, I have no faith in this Penn State team. Alar is not anything that moves the needle for me. He's just kind of a whatever quarterback. I kind of just, you know, they, they, they put a lot of hype behind him. But, I mean, when has there been a good Penn State quarterback? Like, ever. Like, I mean, you could go back to maybe Kerry Collins in the 90s. And he did all right because he led the Giants to the Super Bowl. But there's never really been a really good Penn State quarterback the last 30 years. Like my lifetime, I've never seen one. So, um, And I'm not just generalizing here. I'm just saying the reality. Uh, but as far as Alar and him specifically, I just – I haven't seen it. He looked very pedestrian against Ohio State. Up until the last drive, which Ohio State was basically giving him the short throws so that he could get down the field to waste all the time on the clock. So it was all garbage time touchdown there. Um, their defense is for real. Penn State, 
you know, is definitely one of the best defenses in the country. Um, Michigan as well. So it'll definitely be a defensive uh, game, low scoring. I'm going to say like Michigan wins like 21 to like 10, something like that. What do you got? Yeah, for me with Michigan, I feel like, you know, they know how to win these games and Penn State has really struggled to win these ranked games. Um, I do say with the offense, I do think Alara has actually been their best quarterback in a long time. The problem is, is that it's very one dimensional. Um, I, I don't see, you know, they, they definitely rely on Alara a lot, but I just don't see there's nothing to compliment him. Unlike Michigan, who, you know, has the rushing attack, has Blake Corum to compliment McCarthy. I feel like, too, also with the defense, number one in the country. Uh, with Michigan, they're going to find a way to make it very difficult for Penn State's offense to get the ball moving. I think Michigan wins it in a tough one. I'll go with a 27 to 14 win for Michigan. Okay, Alabama, Kentucky. Um, I don't think this Kentucky team can compete with this Alabama team right now. Um, Alabama is probably going to smoke them. I'm going to say Milrow probably puts up at least four touchdowns. You know, any combination of on the ground and through the air. So at least four there. Um, Alabama's defense is going to stifle this uh, Kentucky offense. Even though Devin Leary's looked better recently, um, I'm going to say Alabama probably wins probably like 38 to like 14. What do you got? So I, yeah, I just don't see. Bama slipping up here. I, I'm going to take Bama winning. It, it It just comes down to talent. Uh, I, I got Bama winning this one. I'll go with a uh, – let's go like 30 eh, – I'll go like uh, 34 to 19. Yeah, that's – it seems like that. Uh, Texas Tech, Kansas. I have this game on here because Kansas is still in the mix for the Big 12. This is a huge game for Kansas to stay uh, on pace with the with the other teams with Texas and uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, they would need Oklahoma State to win or to lose at least another one for Kansas to have a shot because Oklahoma State has a tiebreaker. Um, I think Kansas can get this get this win. I like their offense with Bean. I think he's been solid. Um, Texas Tech, I don't know too much of. I know that they've had some decent games. They've played, you know, okay so far this year. Uh, I'm going to say Kansas wins this one. I'm going to say Kansas wins like 32 to like 24. What do you got? I don't know. You know, kind of a bad feeling with this one. Um, I feel like Kansas is going to like win by the skin of their teeth. I'm going to yeah. go Jayhawks winning like 24-21. Very close. Yeah. Okay. Uh, rivalry game, Miami FSU. Um, this is for you, Joe. I hope you're still watching. Um, so I don't know if Tyler Van Dyke is going to play. I think he – presents the best chance for Miami to win is if he does play. I know he's been struggling. Um, I think that FSU at home, uh, I don't think like, I don't think their home crowd is really much 
of as an advantage as it maybe used to be back in the day because like Duke played really well and I don't think Duke was really was scared of that crowd. Um, I think if Riley Leonard is healthy in that game, I think Duke easily wins that game. And um, I don't know, man, this FSU defense is probably the reason why I would say that Miami has a chance, but Miami only scored six points last week against NC state. And so it's like, what can Miami actually do in this game? I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to keep pace with Florida state's offense. And that's the problem here because Florida state, well, and I will say Miami's defense is decent, you know, like that's probably their saving grace right now is that their defense has been able to keep them in basically every game, even in their losses. Um, really only Texas A&M that scored a decent amount of points on them. But I don't know. I don't, I don't see them stopping Travis that much, especially if Coleman and uh, um, God, what's Johnny, Johnny Wilson, if mm -hmm. they're both healthy, I don't think them, I don't think they're going to be able to stop them. Um, I think Miami loses this one and I'm going to say Florida state wins like probably 32 to 22. What do you got? Yeah. It's a robbery game. So anything can happen, but I just think talent wise, Florida state has the better talent compared to Miami. And that's honestly what it might come down to. Um, and Florida State just has the better overall team right now. I feel like while Miami might have a, a good enough defense, I just don't think they have the offense to the same firepower to fight with uh, Florida State. So I think the Seminoles will win this one. Uh, so I'm going to go somewhere. Score. I'll go like 30 to 20 for Florida State. Yeah, it, se it seems like a two-score game is likely. Okay, um, Utah-Washington. Um, Utah is a two-loss team. Washington is undefeated. This is the big game because this could put some separation. I think this almost guarantees Washington a spot in the Pac-12 championship if they win this one. So this is a lot on the line for Washington. And Utah has a slim chance of getting in into the Pac-12 race if they can win this one. So it's a lot for both of these teams. Um, I like Washington's offense to score a decent amount of points. I think they can um, stop Utah enough, and uh, I. But I really like Utah's defense, and so maybe that might be the difference in this game. Is Utah can, you know, make some stops to keep them in the game, but I still like Washington no matter what. Penix is just a stud. Again, I know the guys that have been watching tonight. You know, Richard and uh, Keith. They both know about. Michael Penix Jr., but I don't know if the country doesn't know about him. And I, I hope if you watch the show that you do know about this kid because he is a stud and he's going to go high in the NFL draft. And he should be – right now I think he's the front runner for the Heisman. Um, he had that that great play on uh, Saturday where he got got free from the, the, the D lineman and uh, threw that touchdown pass. And I really think he has a shot. So – I think Penix is the difference here because they have better quarterback play, and that'll be the difference because Barnes is solid, but he's nowhere near the level 
of play that uh, Michael Penix Jr. brings to the table, and especially especially with the offensive skill players that they have. Adunze is a freak, and um, Gray as well. So they have a lot of studs on offense, and I think they do just enough to win. I'm going to say it's going to be a like a, a one score game. I'll probably say like uh, thirty to like twenty four. What do you got? I, I agree. I think with this one, though, it's going to play a lot like the Oregon game. Washington yeah. has to go in with the expectation that, that they're not going to score every drive like they did against USC. Utah's defense is too good to have that happen every time. But I feel like they can find enough creases in the armor and find a way to attack, especially in the secondary, um, to really you know get at uh, Utah. Um, the mobility of Penix is what makes him so dangerous. And I think that's really going to be the Achilles heel for Utah is that they're going to have to drop one of their, you know, elite linebackers to just be a spy. So for this one, I feel like it's going to be really close. I feel like Utah's defense keeps them into it and can hold the Huskies, um, offense a bit, but I feel like in the end, Washington does just enough to win it compared to Utah. So I'm going to go Washington. I'll go with like a 28 to 24 win. I think it's going to be really close. Yeah, I've, I've, it might even be like, like you said, like the Oregon game where it's like late scores at the end to really like put them over the top. Shout out to my homie, Sean Freeman. He just uh, posted, he's working the USF game this weekend. He'll be uh, camera operating. So that's cool as hell to see. Me and him uh, went to uh, St. Pete College back in the day um in the digital media program so hey the digital media program works he's working huge games he's always working uh lightning games tampa bay ray games uh bucks games i see him orlando magic games uh and you know i'm working in hollywood so clearly that program worked and uh you know got our foots in the doors to to huge jobs so shout out to him um so next game i got this is a big game Tennessee, Missouri. I'm telling you right now, what's crazy is this Tennessee team has a legitimate shot at getting into the playoff. I've seen people talk about it and like ball, uh, ball fans talking about it. It, it. it seems crazy, but it's actually like not that crazy in the long run. But because um, they already have two losses, but it's like if they could beat Alabama uh, in a neutral site game in Atlanta, that would give them the opportunity to potentially be, uh, you know, there because they would have to beat Georgia next week as well. So, mm-hmm. um, I it's definitely a very outside shot, but it is in the realm of possibility, very small realm. But uh, just pointing that out. But with this game, I don't know. I like Missouri in it, but I think Tennessee can win this game. You know, if their offense can come to play. Um, I think they have a shot. They scored 20 points in the first half against Alabama and then got shut out in the second half. If they can have a full game against this Missouri team, they have a good shot. Can they stop Luther Burden um, and the Missouri offense and Schrader and Cook? Um, you know, Georgia barely did. Georgia made enough plays to win that game, but Missouri was right there with them to the very end. Um, I think, I think ah, I'm torn in this game. Cause I want Missouri to lose this game. Cause then they're, they would be on a two game losing streak going up, uh, into their game against Florida. Um, 
I don't know. I, I this is a really tough one because they're both two lost teams. Um, this is a very evenly matched game. This is a this is like a coin flip. I I right now I'm just gonna say Missouri because it's a home game for them in Columbia. And I think that's the only difference between this right now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say Missouri wins it. I'm gonna say Missouri wins like real close. I'm gonna say like maybe even because that kicker is good, their field goal kicker. He's kicked that he had that big kick against yeah, K-State. against K-State. It was like a 60 yarder or something like that. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. Yeah, so maybe it's gonna come down to that again. So I'm gonna say Missouri wins like 28-27. What do you got, Ian? So for me in this one, when you look at the two teams, as the records are and the teams stat-wise are very similar, I look at the competition they played. And for me, I feel like as great as Missouri has been, and it's such a good story, and I'm honestly happy for them um, that they've done so good this year, I feel like Tennessee has had the stronger schedule and has done more with that. Now, Missouri, they played – yeah, and Missouri has a very backloaded schedule. Um, and, and the, you know, teams they play, I mean, they lost to LSU. They put up a good fight. Same thing with Georgia. But I feel like it's going to be the same thing. Tennessee, you know, was in the game against Alabama. And honestly, they had a chance to win it if they didn't blow it in the second half. Um, so for me, I feel like Tennessee finds a way to win this one. I think it's going to be close. I think Missouri is going to, you know, keep it close. But I'm going to take the Volunteers winning this one. I'll go with a uh, – let's go, like uh, – 35-33 uh, win for the Volunteers. The, the only thing I would counter with that, I just don't think that Tennessee can score that much on this Missouri defense. That's the That's only true. thing I would say there. I think it'll be yeah. within two points. I'll say that. Yeah, and I, but I agree with it. It's going to be close, but I just think that that Missouri is going to be able to, like, you know, make enough plays to keep them – keep it close. Okay, and we're split on that, which we're usually not split on a lot of games, but – Okay, next couple of games, we'll do these real quick. Oklahoma State, UCF. I just wanted this one on here more because of Oklahoma State. Uh, this is a very important game for them. they got to continue the trend. I think they will. Um, I think UCF has been battered and bruised all year. They they won last week, but that Cincinnati team is not very good. But I like Oklahoma State here to keep pace to keep in the race for the uh, Big 12. I'm going to say Oklahoma State wins. I'm going to say they win probably like um, like 28-17. What do you got? I, I agree, especially the rushing game with uh, Gordon of you know Oklahoma State. That's a really tough one to stop, and I just don't see UCF doing that and slowing them down. So I'm going to go uh, Cowboys winning. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll go 27-14. Like, similar score okay next one uh these two teams are very close too as well west virginia oklahoma can west virginia get over a hump here where they've like struggled against some better teams um can they they lost to penn state earlier in the year can they get this win here i don't think they do i think oklahoma um comes back from their devastating losses the last two weeks I think Oklahoma wins this one. I'm going to say it's close. I'm going to say like a 32. Oh, both my lights went out. <laughs> Good thing I have this other one. Um, uh, I'm going to say like 
West Virginia or Oklahoma wins like 32 to like uh, 24. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with um, Oklahoma winning this one. Um, defensively, West Virginia hasn't been as good, um, uh, especially against really good offenses, which Oklahoma has. Might be a shootout, but I'm going to take the Sooners winning this one. I'll go with like a 38 to 20 win for Oklahoma. Okay, last two, but this one's really important. Ole Miss, Georgia. I want to hear your thoughts first, and then I'll go. So there's been a pers- – I mean, the whole thing with Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin is that there is a glass ceiling with him and with Ole Miss. And whatever the game is, when it's these, like, juggernaut teams, Bama, Georgia, those ones, it's – for whatever reason, he just can't get over to that home. And here's another chance to prove it. I – for whatever reason with this one, I just don't see Ole Miss has not proven to me that they can, as good as their offense is, can beat an elite defense. You know, they did, you know, when they beat LSU, LSU, you know, defense isn't spectacular. You know, all their wins this year have been against very mediocre defenses when they light up the scoreboard. Their loss against Bama pretty much give them the playbook, contain Dart, you know, make sure the middle of the passing lane is covered and make sure, you know, Jenkins doesn't have any lane. So pretty much win the middle of the field, you beat Ole Miss's offense. And that's what it's come down to. And, I mean, we've seen it firsthand. Georgia is an absolute monster down the middle. So just defensively, I feel like Georgia can win that alone. Um, And I feel like the offense is going to do enough. It's in, you know, Sanford Stadium. It's a night game. It's going to be a very tough environment for Ole Miss. I think they'll put up points, but not nearly enough that they're used to. And I think Georgia wins this one. Um, I'll go like I'll go twenty-eight twenty uh, Bulldogs. This is by far the biggest game that Georgia has played all year. Um, I think with what we saw against Missouri and against Auburn shows that this team is beatable. And I think Ole Miss is a team that is capable of beating uh, this Bulldog team. Um, will they do it? That's another question. I think there needs to be a big game from Jackson Dart. I think uh, Quinshawn Junction, Junkins, um, he has to have a big game like like 100%. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. If, if he's not – if he doesn't have 100 yards total – for the day, you know, receiving and uh, rushing, then I find it hard to believe them winning this game. Um, Georgia, on the other hand, looks like they might have Brock Bowers as of today. Seems like there's a possibility he could come back for this game. Um, they looked really well on offense against Missouri, and Missouri is a much better defense than Ole Miss. Um yeah, I think Georgia wins this one. I want to say that Ole Miss can put a scare into them, but I think Georgia wins this one. I'm going to say it's close, and maybe it's even like a a late score type game. I'm going to say Georgia wins like 28 to 25. Okay, last one, Texas TCU. Um, I'm only putting this one on because, you know, TCU's kind of struggled, but Texas needs to keep winning to uh, have the shot at being in the playoff and all the other goodness that comes with it, especially the Big 12 championship. So 
This is going to be a tough one. This is in, um, uh, it's in Fort Worth. I think, I think Texas does win this one. It's going to be really close, though, like extremely close. I'm going to say Texas wins like 34 to 31. What do you got? So all TC's, TCU's losses this year have been within one score with the exception of the K-State game. And Texas has been skidding by, especially speaking of K-State, winning in overtime against Kansas State, winning by a touchdown against Houston, and then, you know, they lost against Oklahoma. Um, for me, though, I'm going to take Texas. But, again, I think it's close. I feel like Texas gets lucky. And, you know, they find a way to win. I think they have enough experience that, you know, when it's less than a minute and it's tied or down by one point, they know how to get down the field. They know what place to run. It's like a script at this point. So I feel like Texas finds a way to win. Um, TCU definitely puts a scare in them. Um, but I think Longhorns do just enough. I'll go uh, like 37-34 uh, Longhorns. Nice. Okay. That is the show. Uh, you can reach us at haterradio.com. The socials are hater underscore radio for TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, threads. Uh, for Facebook, it is hater radio CFB. For uh, YouTube, it is at hater radio. You can reach us on email, haterradio1 at gmail.com. Ian, what are your socials before we go? Uh, yes, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at GGatorG. Okay, so like, subscribe, comment on everything we do, follow, uh, you know, get the algorithm going, get us in your, uh, you know, mentions, do anything you can for us. We greatly appreciate it. Um, also, real quick, shout out to our sponsors, uh, the, uh, the, sh the Ships Hold and the Galley in St. Pete downtown St. Pete, um, great places to eat and, and drink. Um, that's my buddy owns the bar, the, both those bars. Uh, so if you have a chance downtown St. Pete on, I believe fourth street and central, uh, no fourth street and first Ave North. And so, uh, so yeah, that's the show. Uh, enjoy these games. There's a lot of really good games coming up this weekend and we'll talk to you on Sunday. Take care.